He who was and is and is to come. We worship you tonight, Jesus. We lift up your mighty name. We give you thanks. We give you glory. We give you honour. You are the desire of our hearts. Where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. You are the word of eternal life. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but his word will never pass away. This building will pass away. Everything you see in your eyes will pass away. But his word will never pass away. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, you're here. Thank you, you'll do a mighty work here tonight. Shine your light of truth. Convict us. Open our eyes and our ears to hear your voice. To be challenged, to be sharpened, to be encouraged, to be restored. We love you and we thank you in advance. Hallelujah. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Awesome. We have a packed house tonight. Well, welcome everyone. It's great to be with you. And uh, I like this new seating arrangement because it means we can get up and greet each other a lot more easily. So why don't we stand to our feet, everyone, and uh, why don't you find someone? Now, you're not going to ask them what they had for breakfast. Ask them what they had for lunch. Now, I know a lot of people here do fast, and I don't want to rob you of your reward. So you don't have to be humble and say, oh, I'm fasting. You can make up a lunch. I don't want to rob you of your reward, so... Find someone you don't know and tell them what you had for lunch today. Hey, you know them.
Awesome. Yep. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Where's Dylan? Who, who asked Dylan what he had for lunch? He probably gave it in breakdown. I had 30 grams of protein, <laughs> 5 grams of carbs. He dodged it. He's not even here. Just a reminder, to, uh, there's a QR code behind me if you want to um, take a, I don't know, what do you say, snap that? You can get all the sermons or the So that's on the screen. Yeah, want to encourage you to subscribe and um, follow us on sh social media just to stay in tune with what's happening, um, but also be blessed by the content. And uh, the offering bucket, like to keep you guessing, it's up the front this week, just here to my left. So if you feel uh, inclined to give, uh, please feel free to, to give into the bucket over there or you can give um, electronically. The details are behind me. But um, yeah, I'm excited to hear from Pastor Tony tonight. It's the Word of God. As I said before, His Word will never pass away. It's... His word is eternal and we get to hear something that is eternal and that is amazing and it's exciting. Everything else will pass away. Everything else you heard today will pass away. Um, but what we hear tonight is eternal and will last forever and will be with us forever. And uh, everything else around the truth we hear, everything else degrades. Anything that isn't truth degrades, but the truth stays forever. So let's welcome Pastor Tony as he comes to bring the word tonight. Hello. Hello. How you doing? Good. How you doing? You're doing all right, you know. <laughs> awesome to be with you again. Who's excited? Yeah. Who's coming expectant to see what the Spirit has got for you today? Yeah. Last week's message, I really enjoyed preaching, as some people told me that I enjoyed it. Um, I was a bit excited, a bit bit uh, jumping around but um, it's, sometimes when God gives you a word especially myself I'm, I try and stick to my notes but sometimes the Holy Spirit takes over and, and some of the things that God shares with us is according to him not according to me the Holy Spirit knows what you need to hear maybe I've got an opinion about what to share and what to preach but the Holy Spirit is the one that knows what we need. He runs the church, not me. So I was excited last week and I got a few phone calls. And even today as I walked in, some people really got touched last week. What God was doing in their own little world. And, and I'm really glad. Um, I get excited when God starts to do something one-on-one. -on because -one. we are so codependent on one another. And which is, in a sense, the Bible says... Uh, iron sharpens iron, we, we, we do help each other, but ultimately it cannot take away or substitute your relationship with God one-on-one. One-on-one -on -one. One -on -one with Him and knowing how to operate with Him. Remember years ago, someone telling me, <coughs> he, he, he was really good at the Word, he was really good at ministering out of the Spirit, 
But he, he was scared to sit alone with God because he was scared that God would find him out about the things he was struggling with. And I said, brother, he already knows. It's not like you can hide from him. But isn't it funny how we do think like that? We think we can trick our past, trick God, but not trick our pastor. Or hang on. Or you know, as a kid, you know, we, we think we get away with stuff with our parents, and when they find out, it's like, oh my God, you know, like they already they already knew what we we're up to. We thought we could con them. We can't con God. So my suggestion is: the quicker you fall on your knees before Him, the quicker things can get flushed out of you. The quicker you can get healed. And the quicker you get to your destination. Because God isn't sitting there looking out to see what you do wrong. I remember years ago, um, you know, if you sinned against God, you had to confess it and then do penance and then tell someone so someone could pray on your behalf. And I used to have this theory, well, if God can see what I do wrong, why can't he see what I do right? In other words, if I can sin, he can see that. When I want to repent... Or when I want to say sorry, ask for forgiveness, why can't he see that? Because we've been taught that we need someone, in, we're not good enough to get to God. We're, we're, we're not, we can't just go straight to the throne because you know, we're just human beings and God's all the way over there and we're all the way down here. But when we read the scripture, it's quite the contrary. Well, yeah, we do need a mediator. We need someone to stand in the gap for us who will argue and be an advocate, like a, like a mediator, like someone who's negotiating, or like a solicitor. Or we have Jesus, amen? For there's only one God. Everyone say one. one. And only one mediator. Everyone say one. one. So one is one. Amen. Can I get that wrong? Can I misunderstand that? Can I misinterpret that? Some people can. <laughs> one now, one plus one does not equal two. It's racist, apparently, now. Where these more people come from, I don't know. I was told my wife not to say that word anymore. Okay. These wacko, delusional, demon-possessed people. Is that better? But one God and one mediator between God and man. Who is it? Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. Why? Because he laid down his life as a ransom for us. And he stands up in the gap. So when the devil accuses you, he stands in your defense because you're under the blood. Amen? Hallelujah. And last week we talked about the temple. And we talked about praying in the spirit. And um, for those, I just want to encourage those who prayed for the gift and never got it. You got it. You just got to surrender to it now. Don't get upset. Don't get, oh, I'm not worthy. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Just keep on surrendering and it will come. All right? And if you want help after this service, I'm happy to, to agree with you and pray with you and encourage you. For those who did get it, there was a few that got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Those who had, had an encounter with God, praise the Lord. Amen? It's only the beginning. Amen? But we don't despise small beginnings, do we? We rejoice in the small victories. See, if you can't see the hand of God in the small victory, when the big victory comes, you think it's you. When you overcome something, you'll think, oh, I did it. No, he didn't. It was him. Back here. Amen? Hallelujah. So tonight, the message is, will you build me a house? And uh, the, way, the way I want to go with this, I just want to sh share this with you tonight in the sense of, I'm still on the subject of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but God's taken it another way, so we're going to just be led by where he wants us to go. 
I heard this rabbi speak once. And he said the difference between all of God's creation and human creation is the fact that we can speak. Not that we can speak and communicate with one another because an animal can communicate an animal. But we can speak things into existence in the sense of that our words are creative. So God gave us a special type of creature. we got animals and we got beasts of the air and birds of the, of the air and beasts of the field and in the sea. But what makes us unique isn't that we can wear clothes. What makes us unique that God chose to give us a free will, give us an identity like him, because the same breath that's in us is in the animals. So when God breathed everything into existence, we became a living soul and so did the whole creation. But what makes us different, this rabbi says, is that we can, have, we can speak and our words can create, our words can make or, or kill. Now, I can't speak a car into existence and it comes. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I can do, I can frame my world with faith. God, the Bible says God created the world through speaking. He said, let there be light. Now, we know that if we go to John 1, that word that was spoken, the Logos word, which is living word in the Greek, which means in the beginning, the Logos word was with God. The Logos word was God. He, the Logos word was with God in the beginning. So when you hear word, it's talking about Logos, living word. So in the beginning, when God says, let light be, and then the Holy Spirit manifested the light, guess what? God spoke. The words were the living word, which is Jesus. He hasn't been incarnated yet. He hasn't been born on the earth, but he was with the Father. And then the Holy Spirit manifested the light. Nothing's changed. The Bible says, pray to the Father in my name. Nothing's changed. So our words are powerful. Now, to some people, we have a lot of people talking out there about positive thinking. And I'm all more for positive thinking. But for me, just to be positive, to change my environment is one thing. But that's very soulish. Because the very next thing, I can curse. But if the word is spoken through faith, the Holy Spirit manifests the outcome of your words. So if I tell a kid that enough, you're dumb, you're dumb, you're dumb, you're dumb, when he grows up to be dumb. Uh, but, you know, you've heard that saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Who's heard that in school? Well, if you're over 40, you've heard it. But that's not true. We say that, but it's not true. You can be bashed and get over it, but someone spoke a word to you as a child, that can stay with you for the rest of your life. True? Even in the spirit, when something's spoken over a child, we can place a curse on a child. Oh, but you can't get cursed. Yes, you can. Because if I believe a lie that's not of God, then it's a curse upon me. So I'm very careful what you say of the little ones next to you. And we can talk about that another day. So your lips are very important because they're the doorway from out of your heart and into your heart. The Bible says you'll have what you say. Out of, the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I want to go another step further. Okay, Will you build me a house? Last week I shared Psalm 141.3. You, you don't have to go there. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth and keep watch over the doors of my lips. When we spoke about the temple doors being closed with that corrupt king, and, he, and, and what he did was, 
Not only did he shut the doors, he cut all the furniture that's supposed to be inside the temple. So when God told Moses, this is what I want you to build, and this is how the ark, uh, the ark, where the ark should be in the temple, and this is the furniture that's got to be in the temple, and there was candlesticks, and there was the bread, the show bread, and there was all these different candles. They're all instruments that the priest would use in the temple. They had to be in order, in the right place, and then the, the priest would minister in the temple on behalf of the people to God. He cut everything in half and threw it outside and brought in idols and started to worship demons and started to sacrifice children in the temple of God. And the Bible says he shut the door, put out the light. But then his son Hezekiah came in and restored all things and he cleansed the temple, similar to what Jesus did. What did he do? Three-cord whip, whipped everyone, got them out of the temple. This is my father's house, a house of prayer for all the nations. And you've turned it into a den of thieves. So we know that picture. So let's go to Isaiah 66 and verse 1 to 4. I want to establish in you tonight the power of praying in the Spirit, but not just that, but the power why we do it. So I want to show you a picture from the old to the new to now. Is that okay? And I hope I can put it all together before 8 o'clock tonight. Ring up Elijah, tell him the hold our table. <laughs> Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you're going to build me? Where is my place of rest? For all the things my hand has made and those things exist, says the Lord. But I look, this one, sorry, but on this one will I look. On him who is poor and contrite of spirit. And who trembles at my word. He who kills bulls is if he slays a man. He who sacrifices a lamb as if he breaks a dog's neck. He who offers a grain offering as if he offers a swine's blood. He who burns incense as if he blesses an idol. Just as they have chosen their own ways and their soul delights in the abomination. So I will choose their delusions and bring their fears on them. Because when I called, no one answered. When I spoke, they did not hear. But they did evil before my eyes and chose that which I do not delight. Talking about Isaiah's prophesying about his day. When they were, did you notice he says when you kill bulls and you kill lambs. That was part of the sacrificial uh, law. And you offered grain offerings. What he was saying was you're doing all the religious stuff. But to me where your heart was. It was like you killed a dog's neck, broke a dog's neck, or you gave up pig's blood on the altar. In other words, everything you did religiously was perverted to me because you chose a wicked way. In other words, the house of the Lord, he says, where heaven is my throne. Look what he says here. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Speaking, that's how big God is. He doesn't need anything. He goes, but are you going to build me a house so I can have rest in? Isn't that interesting? Why does God need a home? He owns everything. He says, I made all things. You see, there was a man, what was his name again? He was from an Eastern religion. I had the name in my head, I forget. And he read, he was a man of philosophy and he read all the, the books. He read the Quran, he read the... He read the, the Bible, he read all the teachings of um, the Hindus, he read all the teachings of Buddha. He read them all. And I asked him, well, what, what's your conclusion? He said, I'm concluding that this 
this gospel, this, this Jesus, this, this is fascinating. He goes, why, why, the, why is the Bible so fascinating to you, not the other books? He says, because the God of the Bible wants to inhabit the, his, his people. When every other God is you're trying to get to him. And that fascinated this philosopher. He goes, I'll come and dwell with them and I'll take habitation in them and I will be with them and I'll be one with them. And, and he spun him out because their concept of God is not that concept. Here he's talking about a temple. And if you read Acts chapter 7 and verse 48, it's when Stephen was doing a big speech when they arrested him, St. Stephen. And he made a big speech and, he, and they said to him, you're a heretic. And he started to do a speech from, and he explained the whole Jewish history. From Adam all the way down to Jesus. So we won't go there, read it in your own time. It's really good. But in verse, at chapter 7, verse 48, this is what he says. Look what he says. If it's up there, I'll give it to you last, late. <laughs> However, the Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands. Sorry, religious people. Let me go back one step. Doesn't matter how good your church looks. Doesn't matter how much you, you paint the pictures and build the steeples or put the nice carpet or put the nice blinds. God does not dwell in man-made temples. Here, Stephen, New Testament, Book of Acts, after the Holy Spirit had come, he says, However... The Most High does not dwell in temples made by hand. And then, then he quotes the prophet Isaiah. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me? Says the Lord. Or what is the place of my rest? Has my hand not made all things? And look what he says the next verse. Listen to me. Listen very carefully. He's speaking to Jewish believers. We're speaking to the Pharisees. Ten, two minutes later, he's getting stoned and dying for his faith here. But look what he says. Next verse. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in the heart and ease. You have always resisted the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. Then I go back and I think, hang on, in the Old Testament, it talks about the temple. talks about God in heaven, God on earth. talks about, are you going to build me a house? talks about where I'm going to have my rest talks about um, your ears and your mouths have lost the plot. Here he says exactly the same thing. But initially he says, you always reject the Holy Spirit. Always. Now we know that the Bible says that God does not dwell in man-made temples. We know that the day when Jesus was crucified and he gave up his spirit, the Bible says the temple veil was torn from top to bottom. And the Bible says the Spirit of God left the temple that day. Stephen says he... No longer to dwell in man-made temples. Where is he going to dwell? If Jesus said, this is very interesting, Jesus said, I've got to go to the Father. Because if I don't go to the Father, the promise of the Holy Spirit will not come. The Spirit of truth, he will guide you into all truth. So it's, isn't it interesting? The Bible says that we can never come to God unless the Spirit of God draws us. So conviction comes when you hear the preached word. When you, see, when you hear the preached word, what Jesus did for you, you repent. That means the Holy Spirit drew you. He woos you. It says how much He loves you. That He took your sin and died on the cross for you. So the Holy Spirit draws you to Jesus. Then Jesus says, now I must go to the Father. Don't hang on to me. Why? Because the Holy Spirit draws you to Jesus. Then Jesus goes to the Father and then He sends and baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. 
Now the Holy Spirit gets poured upon you, the church, the ecclesia, us. Amen. And now the Holy Spirit in us said, Jesus, we can't come to God unless the Spirit of God draws us. We can't come to Jesus unless the Holy Spirit drives us. And we can't worship God unless the Holy Spirit baptizes us. Can you see the Trinity working together? But where is the Holy Spirit living? In us. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse something. 2. For he who speaks... In, uh, is that the wrong one? Uh-uh. Not that one. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Trust me, it's there. I forgot to write it down, eh? Who knows it? Quick, come on, who's the theologian here? Quick, 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 quick. Six. Go to verse six for me. If he's wrong, kick him out. For he, let's go here and we'll work backwards, frontwards. For he who speaks in tongues does not speak to man, but speaks to God. But now, brethren, brothers and sisters, if I come to you speaking with tongues, they shall not profit unless we speak with other boys. Still the wrong one. Out. <laughs> wrong one. Huh? Anyway. The Bible is the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Trust me. Google it. He's doing a better job than me right now. So if the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit... And when the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost and baptized... Uh-huh. Six was right. Next thing you'll say 666 and we have to kick you out. <laughs> or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? The reason why the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, does no longer dwell in temples is because He lives in the hearts of His believing church. See, Jesus didn't come to set up a new religion with new laws because they had plenty of them. <laughs> they were good enough. He had the moral law, the mosaic law, the ceremonial law, the, the dietary laws. He got plenty of laws. He came to dwell in the hearts of His people. God always desired to be one with His people. Look at this. I love this one. I want to show you how God makes a home in you. Let's go to... John 14, 23. Jesus answers and said to them, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word... And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make what? He wants to live in us and make his home in us. But if you read in that very same chapter, in the beginning, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And I go to prepare a place for you. And where I go, you will, always, you will come one day. And they says, how do we know the way? Because I am the way, the truth. Yeah? He just said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I taught on this many times. So he's going to prepare a place in the Father's house. In my Father's house, there are many, the King James says, mansions. But the true translation is many dwelling places or many rooms in my Father's house. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And then you look at it and say, okay, when I come and when I die, or Jesus comes back to get me, I'm going to go into the Father's house where there's many dwelling places with him. 
But then this says, but now, same, same chapter. You go down and it says, but he comes to make home with you. What does that mean? Are you going to make me a house? Are you going to come and live in me? Are you going there? Are you coming? Are you coming? Are you, coming? you know where you're coming to go, Lord. <laughs> but the Lord says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. I'm everywhere at every time. Yeah. You know, can I ask you something? I said, Lord, you know, it's just bugging me, man, because you know, you've got to, I've got to get this right. And he says, whatever you do on earth prepares heaven. He says, whatever I build inside you on earth, you'll get in heaven. In other words, there are a lot of people scraping into the kingdom of God in heaven and they're going to kick themselves for the things that they should have done, could have done and would have done because they didn't have room for me. My head wasn't there. Look at this. Is, ooh, Shandai, shoulda mosquito. Look at this one. John 14, 23. Who, know, who knows what the word abide means when he says, if I abide in you, you abide. The word abide. Dwell. Live, inhabit. So if you guys, your abode or your abiding place is where you live, where you reside, not where you visit, yeah? Jesus answered and said to them, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And will... Is that the same one? John 15, 7, sorry. John 15, 7. If you abide in me, what do we say that abide means? Dwell, live. Hang out. Now, some of you guys hang out at other people's houses too much and they think, you know, you're part of the furniture. Go home. But, um, but if you abide, live, dwell in me and my words live in me, in you, you'll ask whatever you desire, he shall be done for you. See, Jesus does not separate himself from the word. What did Dorian say, Pastor Dorian say? Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. I heard recently from a church that the church is before the Bible. The church is before the, the Word of God. In other words, the church is established through the Bible. And I said, but how do you know how to run a church if the Bible is not the ultimate Word of God? No, 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 no. The Word came first. In the beginning was the? Don't ever let anyone take you away from the Word of God. Don't let anyone change the Word of God. Don't even... You know what? Let me, let me say it to you this way. Heaven and earth is going to pass away, but the word, the word, will stand forever. Here, he doesn't distinguish between himself and the word. And we can read that whole chapter through and through. But isn't it interesting? Let's keep going. Last week when I said about the word edification, or when we pray in the Spirit, we edify. We don't speak to man, we, speak, we edify ourselves. And the... He's not there. The word edify in the Greek meant to build a house or to build a home. So think back one step, guys. Every time I read his word, we want breakthrough. We want a miracle. We want to be a good Christian. We want to know how to work. That's, all, that's the benefits of him dwelling in the secret place with you. See, we want the benefit, but not the benefit, the one that gives us the benefits. We want the gifts, but we don't know who gives us the gifts. We want the anointing, but we don't know worship the one who is the anointed one. We want to see what God can do for us before we can worship the one that gives us what we have. You see, we've got into a place of formula instead of relationship. Look at this. Psalm 127 verse 1, 1 to 2. Unless the Lord builds the house, 
They labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Whatever you're building in your life today, listen to me, hear me out. Whatever you seem to be thinking that you're building for, for you, if God's not in the midst of that, building it with you, you build it in vain. Whatever relationship you think, see, people say to me, you've got to build your life around God. I'm sorry to tell you, if you build your life around God, then you only use God whenever you need Him. No, no, I build my life in God. He's in all things. All things come from Him. See, I can... How can I say this? If I don't build the house... Now, the word house in the Greek... Sorry, in the, in the Hebrew here... Is the word house. <laughs> it also means... It's the second letter of the alphabet in the Hebrew. also means home. And you can derive from home, family or tribe. Unless the Lord builds your family... If you read that whole passage of Psalm, it talks about a woman giving birth and raising offspring. What is he saying here? God does not want a temple made by hands if his family is not involved. Are you with me? God doesn't want the outside of the cup to look good when the inside's full of dead man's bones. Here he says, you can build and watch, make sure the devil's not coming after your family, but if he's not involved, you're going to lose. People say, oh, be careful of the devil. Be careful of the devil. I remember when I first got saved, you know how to watch The Simpsons. It's demonic. That same person gambles and drinks. But if I watch The Simpsons, I'm going to hell. True. <laughs> how can you be so embraced? No. So we can put the principles. See, we love the principles of God without the person of God. If I was to teach on prosperity here, teach on money, Everyone will come because we want to be rich. We want a new car. But if I was to teach it from the biblical sense, you'd probably hate me. I've seen pastors manipulate churches because it's twofold. They've been manipulated because they go greedy, but the church hasn't known how to look after their own leadership. It goes two ways. The reason why Malachi was saying that you rob God of your tithes and the church world uses that to hammer you over your head and we've got it out of context totally. What the problem was that when God split up the land throughout all the tribes of Israel, everyone got land. The only tribe that didn't get land were the Levites because they were meant to be priests ministering to God in the temple 24-7. And they were supposed to bring the blessings to, the, to, the, to, the, to Israel. Because they were ministering to God in the temple. But when the prophet Malachi shows up to, to that region, where are the Levites? Oh, they're all working. What do you mean they're working? Oh, no one brings their tithes, so they've got no money to, to minister in the temple. So they go because they've got, they got no food. No one's bringing their first fruits. No one's bringing anything to the temple. And Malachi, Malachi goes, but hang on. you got land. Everyone got land. Every tribe got land and they've got businesses. But they were only supposed to look after them. And now they've stopped looking after them. They were bringing the dregs. You know, the, wasn't the first fruits, it was the rubbish fruits. And Malachi brings a curse. But he doesn't curse them because he says, you come under the curse. In our translation it says a curse. 
Have you heard that in church? Well, if you don't tithe and you rob God, and, you, and you'll be under a curse. That's not true. They were under the curse of the law. See, they had a law that if they did this, they would the curse the law. The curse of the law wouldn't come upon them because they were supposed to minister in the temple day and night. So the house of God had ministry going on, intercession going on, prayers going on on behalf of the people. And because he said that, he shut up heaven and became a drought and near land. That's why he says, "Give your tithes, and I'll open up the windows of heaven." So the curse of the law came upon them. That's not me and you. We were never under the covenant. The church wants to put you under that covenant. We're not. We're under grace and mercy. But I want to give you a history lesson there because we get it so wrong. Because God's house was a house of prayer for what? All the nations. So what's that going to do with us now? I'll tell you what's going to do with us. Jesus, Matthew 8.20 when I pray in the Spirit, what am I doing? Edifying myself. We go, we've got all the scriptures. But what am I really doing? What am I really doing? See, if the Word abides in me, look at the picture of the temple. God's presence is in the temple. The furniture is in its right place. The ministry of the temple is from the high priest. And then blood comes in and water comes in. We've got the candlesticks, the manure. We've got the showbread. We've got all the things that are required. The sacrifice is outside. The worship is inside. And then the Holy of Holies comes in, the priest. That's all happening in your spirit when you're praying in the spirit. How? Every time you hear the word of God and you pray in the spirit, guess what the Holy Spirit does? He puts that plate in the right place in your heart. You might hear a word. You might think, I believe that word. Then you pray in the Spirit and God gives you a revelation of the word. He says, you know what? You need more love. Because the first thing he does do is pour the love of God inside you. You might be struggling with acceptance, rejection, whatever it is. God puts the word in the right places. What we do, we pray in tongues and say, God told me to marry this guy. No, he didn't. One guy said, I left my wife for another wife because God told me to leave her because I need an end times wife for the end times. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to know that he didn't hear from God. I've heard all this. <laughs> but when I pray in the Spirit, what happens? People do my heading sometimes. If the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth, and he guides me into truth, the Holy Spirit is known as the comforter, the Holy Spirit knows as the helper, the Holy Spirit knows as the um, teacher, the Holy Spirit is known as the Spirit of God. He brings all that with him and puts it inside your heart. But if I don't open my mouth, how is he supposed to put the furniture in the right place? See, you come to Christ and you're cleansed by the blood. You're saved, you're going to heaven. Hallelujah. We made it. But what's next? I'll show you something. <laughs> I wish I know what I was doing. <laughs> Matthew 12, 43. Very familiar passage of scripture. Holy Spirit dropped this in my spirit driving here. And I thought, okay, well, let's go with it. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through a dry place, is seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house. Look, that demon thinks he owns you. Isn't it interesting that God wants to build a house for his habitation and so does the devil? <laughs> wow. That's what I said. Wow. 
the hairs on my back stood up. Because I'm Lebanese, I've got hairy back, you know. <laughs> when I returned to my house, so some, some people were falling asleep there on the third row back, three steps down from the pole. I'm joking, I'm joking. Marouane was falling asleep. All right. I will return to my house <laughs> from which I came. And when he, co- when he comes, he finds that what? Please, out loud. Empty, swept, and put in order. And we're happy with that. Because when I came to Christ, he sorted out some garbage in my heart. He swept me out, cleansed me with the blood. Yeah? He emptied out all the rubbish that my mind was talking and put it in order. But interesting to note that it's empty. The house is... What's the next verse? Next, next. Uh, then he goes and takes... Look what he says. So he sees... Look, at it, look what he sees. Listen to me. Look, look at me. Look at Eyes on me. He sees the blood. He sees you're cleansed and forgiven. He sees that your, your, your house's habitation is full of the Holy Spirit now. Yeah? But he sees it empty. He sees it empty. So look what he does. Oh, this is heavy duty. Look what he does. Next verse. Then he goes and takes with him seven times worse than himself and then enters that dwelling and then this last state of that man is worse than the first state. So shall it be for this wicked generation. Let me explain that to you. You can come to Christ, give your life to Jesus, know the scripture from a distance. But if you don't spend time in the Holy Ghost, guess what? That empty place gets filled by him. He sneaks in. And he sits down and he starts to whisper in your head and in your ears. And guess what? He starts to put the furniture where he wants it. Oh, he's not good enough. She's not good enough. Oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, that preacher talks too long. That preacher talks too loud. Oh, this guy, this. A fence comes. And guess what happens? Because the house is empty. Guess who's filling the house? The devil, not God. But when I start to fill my house with the things of the Spirit, guess what? I get the word, it's anointed word. And he goes, oh, I think I need this. I need this deliverance. And God says, but you don't know who you're a son yet. All right, so God brings sonship to me. Oh, I want to get these demons out of my life. He goes, yeah, but you don't know my love yet. Oh, but you know what? I'm fearful for my children. I don't want to do with my children. And the Lord says, yeah, but faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. You don't need to fear for your children. Whatever, whatever, whatever Job feared came upon him. And guess what happens? The furniture gets rearranged. And guess who sits in there? And he's worse than what he was before. But see, if I make room for the Holy Spirit, guess what I'm making room for? The Holy Spirit's coming to prepare the room, the bedroom inside my heart, so the Father and the Son can sit. See, I no longer look up when I pray. I look in. Where does my help come? From the Lord. Where's the Lord? In my spirit. Come on, somebody. But hang on, he's gone to prepare a place. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. It's scriptural. Yeah? Yeah? But what do you limit God then? We limit God. Oh, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. That means he can't move. He's not allowed to move. That's why the Bible says the Word and the Spirit bring life. I'm excited. Jesus, Matthew 8.20. Isn't it interesting? Every time God says, build me a house. Are you going to build me a house? If I don't build a house, where my rest is going to be. 
A lot of Christians aren't in rest. Something's wrong. Good, he says here. Jesus said to them, Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no way to lay his head. What's he saying? He had a house. He go to his mum's house. He got to go to um, Lazarus' house. Go to Peter's house. He wasn't talking about a physical house. He says, where am I going to lay my headship? Foxes have a hole and birds have a nest, speaking on the earth and in the heavens. He says, but where am I going to lay? How am I going to lay my mind to rest on my body? I have no body to put my head on. In other words, he's saying, people, listen to me. Lay his head. Another translation says, where am I going to rest my head? Where am I going to come and move in and live with my people and give them my mind? Because if we honestly, if we, were, if we are fair income, and for those Arabs that don't know what that means, it means if you're serious. <laughs> I said fair income to someone, he goes, what does that mean? <laughs> fair income. He goes, but what does fair income mean? <laughs> huh? What's fair income mean, Dave? You're going to get tongues and interpretation of tongues. If I'm serious enough to know that God lives in me, his mind has to be in my mind and his rest has to be my rest. I have to make a place for him. Because if I abide in his word, you hear me out? See, when the Bible says that you don't know how to pray, but the Spirit makes intercession for you, I wrote down these things. Look at this. Oh, yeah, we can go. Have you got that, guys, that picture? Someone very profound gave me this quote today. I really liked it. It's Ella's mum. Sharon Weeby. This is awesome. Look what she said. It was sitting. God doesn't rent. He either owns the space or not. God offered more than the full price for each person on the planet. Once the Holy Spirit moves in, he begins to improve his property. He renovates and renews his children under construction. I love that. That was a couple of years ago, Sharon. That's awesome. That, is, that sums up my whole message. We can go now. All the offering goes to Sharon tonight, all right? <laughs> what offering? Libos and Titus. And here, see? Body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. In other words, if I build my life around God and I use a scripture for this and a blessing for that, that's good. But I need to build my life in God. Because if he's not in things and all things, then I'm leaving some things out. You know what I'm doing? I'm leaving the window open. I'm leaving the garage door open. I'm leaving the back door open so the enemy can come and sneak in. See, the greatest obstacle you have is apathy. Apathy, we don't know who knows what apathy means. I'm saved, but I'm sweet. This fasting stuff's too hard. This praying stuff's too hard. I'm tired. And, you know, they start at 4.45 now on a Sunday. Thought I'd say that. <laughs> Apathy. You're not in any dark sin. You're not in any bad place. But you got, you're apathetic. And guess what the church has done? The church has been apathetic for too long. And now we're worried, why is this politician making these laws? And why are the woke people doing this? And how can we ever celebrate Halloween? Anyone celebrate Halloween? Repent right now. Because <laughs> a little leaven corrupts the whole batch. And we can talk about that later. Why would I give the empty places to the devil? Why would I give the empty places? Why don't you fill it with his spirit? Let him rearrange the furniture in your heart. See, the deeper I go into this, the more stuff in my heart that needs to be purged. Wow. 
when you think you're there. <laughs> you know, it's like that, you know, the old, I used to play footy, I used to do off-season training. And he'd say, we're going to do this, this, this today. Wow. So you put your mind, your mental mind, you're going to run up these sand dunes, and then we're going to run on the beach, and we do all these things in the off-season. It's the worst training in the world. But you put your mind on it. And when you think you've done, he says, oh, you've got one more hill over there. Oh, That's what it's like when you purge the flesh. Every time you think you've purged enough, it purges a little bit more. But this is the beauty about being purged in the flesh, about dying to self. When you look back, you think, look how far I've come. I might be on another hill. I might be on another, down another valley. Look how far I've come. You see, we need to do it with God. Say, oh, I'm believing for God. Beautiful, believe. The devils believe and they tremble. You can believe something from the core of your being, but not operate in the truth of it. You can believe that God can do miracles. You can believe God can save the world. We can, God can build my house. But he says, but all right, now I need you to do something. What do you want me to do? Well, be obedient and be a co-laborer with me. You see, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word. So when faith comes, I start to believe. But do I trust? Do I trust enough to do what he says he's going to do? Because trust is a big thing. See, I always believed, I had faith, but did I trust? Did I trust? When he puts a nudge in your heart to do something, and that requires faith or requires, like, it's not the right time for me to do that, Lord, or whether it's finances, whether it's walking over to say hello to someone, whether uh, in the midst of work and God... For, for 21 years, God would, will speak to my heart about someone in the midst of turmoil at work. Can't you wait till I get to the car? Can't you wait till I'm at home sitting there having... No, he has to tell me in the middle of a war when I want to throw the ladder at someone because they're doing things wrong. Not that I throw a ladder at someone, I'm joking. It's a figure of speech. And he speaks to you about to ring someone in the midst of turmoil. Why? But it's not the right time for me, Lord. Yeah, but that's what I want you to do. You know what? If my life is not my own and I'm bought at a price and no longer I live but Christ who's in me, show me. Show me. And sometimes it isn't about doing something for God, it's living out of the blessings of God. Smile, man! (laughs) Smile, Jesus has redeemed you! Smile because you've got a good husband, a good wife, good kids. What do you want? It rained? Interest rates went up. You missed that sale at Coles. I don't know. So many little things tick us off. And if you want to have peace, stop watching the news. Get off TikTok. (laughs) Some people's theology is based on what the world says. You know what you're doing? You're framing your belief system based on what you see. I don't go by what I see. God says it, it's going to happen. What do you want me to do, Lord? I want you to do this. Done. My peace might be that small in a big God, but I want to do what God asked me to do. So when I pray in the Spirit, guess what God's doing in my heart? He's making room for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. God wants to have a relationship with you more than you want to have a relationship with Him. God is hanging. He's got little children here. Isn't it nice when a little kid comes, they give it to you, holy, even if it's not yours. How cute. How nice is it to hold a new baby? How nice is it to hold a little... How nice is it? I'm, I'm 53. When my son comes up and gives me a hug, which is never... But no, I'm joking. 
Now they do. I feel like a million dollars when my, my elderly sons, 19, 21, 24, hug me. You know what? I feel like a million dollars. How much more, if that, I feel that, how much more the Heavenly Father when you sit with Him? See, your concept of God is totally wrong if you don't believe that. He's longing for you to sit with Him. But we think He's a tyrant, ready to whack us every sin we've ever made. Every, you know? Nah, but He wants to hug you. Imagine Jesus, I wanted to pull away. But Jesus, look at the need. There are people following you around the world. Look at you know, the, paral the paralytic man got healed. The blind man got healed. The dead, boy, the dead guy raised from the dead. He goes, yeah, but I need this guy to sit with my father. I miss him. If we can get that concept. He who prays in tongues does not speak to man. He speaks to God. You don't stay there forever. You know what happens? He starts to download. Let me, let me tell you the benefits. Six o'clock. I've done well. Thank you, Sharon. That was awesome. Give Sharon a round of applause for that. The benefits of the praying in the Spirit. I've just shared with you some practical things that God wants. God wants to move into town and give you rest. He wants to give you rest. He wants to give her rest. He wants to give her mum rest. So, just quickly, and we can talk about this next time, but the Holy Spirit builds you up. Like we said, edification means to build a home. Jesus wants to live inside you, make his home with you, with his Father. When we speak, we speak out the mysteries of God. They're not a mystery to God. We speak out the hidden treasures in his word that was hidden in Christ before the foundation of the world. So when I speak out, guess what I'm doing? Because didn't we say that he says, guard my lips, because that's the doorway? How much more if the Holy Spirit is giving you the words to speak out in the atmosphere? Unperverted, no, no lack of faith. No lack of uh, unbelief. It's pure word from the Holy Ghost. But you do the speaking because he wants to co-labor with you. It builds you up. You speak out mysteries. You get revelation of the word. He does intercession for you. I don't know how to pray, but the Spirit makes intercession for me. Some things I don't know how to pray. What I mean by that is some things are so heavy on my heart. I don't know. And God gives me the words in the Spirit to pray and he's interceding on my behalf. Next week, I'll tell you all the difference. Every one of these has happened to me. Tongues and interpretation of tongues. I can talk about intercessional groanings. I can talk about all that. He shows you things to come. He's not going to show you the Antichrist. All right, relax. Everyone wants to know, oh, he shows me things to come. I want to know when the world's going to end, what time the Antichrist is coming, what's he look like? No, no, he shows you things to come concerning your life. He may show you other things if he can trust you, but he'll show you things to come in your life, in your family, in your children. Happened many times to me. Warning signs. To watch out for this. Watch out for that. Pray about this. Pray about that. He guides you into truth. See, we want to be spoon-fed the truth. But isn't it better when you find it for yourself? If I tell you what's truth, that was a good sermon. That was, that's me. But if you go get a revelation yourself, no one can take that off you. Why? You found it. Theology. I can argue theology with anyone. This is what I believe, this is what you believe. But when you get truth, you can never take that off you. Amen? Amen? He guides you into truth. Why? Because when you find something, when the Holy Spirit takes you on a journey and you find something, it's yours and it changes your inner being. But if I spend time with the Holy Spirit, He'll reveal things to me. There are things that I've been asking God for in the like, Scripture-wise, reading Scripture, that God's revealing to me now. For whatever reason, they're in me and He brings them out and He goes, wow, I never saw that like that before. 
changes my life. Not to know more, it's to change you. The other thing he does to you, he brings his peace into your world. We speak out the mysteries of God, we build each other up, we speak out the mysteries of God. He teaches us the word, he intercedes for us, he shows us things to come, he guides us into truth, and he brings his peace. They're just some of the things he does in your life. The early church could not do nothing without the Holy Spirit. They would say things like, it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. Paul goes, I want to go to Asia Minor, and the Holy Spirit forbid me to go. He was operating in the knowledge, in the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, the early church. It's not limited to manifestations, it's limited to your walk, your daily walk. Because the Holy Spirit will show you Jesus. People say, I want to get to know Jesus more. Get to know the Holy Spirit. Because I often say this, the Holy Spirit is the magnifying glass of Jesus. He'll magnify his word, he'll magnify his spirit, he'll magnify his comfort, he'll magnify your joy, he'll magnify your healing. All through the power of the Holy Spirit, he shows you Jesus. He doesn't, the, Jesus said he doesn't speak of himself. He only speaks of what he hears from me. But, and I go to the Father. And the Holy Spirit is not, he is part of the Godhead. Holy Spirit in you raised Jesus from the dead. So if you've got the one that raised Jesus from the dead in you, you've got the Word in you, you've got the Father in you, what do you lack? What do you lack? I'll tell you what we lack. Obedience. We do not obey him. Oh, but Tony, I don't know what to do. Start with, Lord, have your way with me. Some of us will go through purging. Some of us on the same day, in the same message, on the same meeting, one could be on cloud nine, one could be on the, in the dungeon. But God's still doing the work. I've been in a meeting where the Holy Spirit hit the church. Half the church is laughing, half the church is crying. Work it out. Because although he operates with us corporately, he operates us individually. God knows every individual in this room what he needs. He's just waiting for you to come to him and lay before him, sit before him, kneel before him, whatever it is, and say, Lord, what is it that you want from me? And he will just pour his love on you. Nothing can take the place of the Holy Spirit. Nothing. What happened to you What's going to happen to you, what you do, what I did, nothing can take the place of the Holy Spirit. Because your house is a house of prayer for all the nations. Inside you is the kingdom of God, the manifestation of the kingdom. He says, as thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what he does with you on earth will determine what rewards you get in heaven. That's the truth. You had a preacher once, he had a heavenly vision and he went there. And he saw things in heaven and he wrote, a, he wrote it in a story form because no one would believe him. So he wrote it as a story. But it was about him. And he thought he was doing everything possible for God. And God showed him this person in heaven, this person. And he goes, and he showed you, he showed, I, don't, I can't remember these guys, but old preachers and they were over there. And, and he saw this person, he'd never ever heard of him, he was over here. And he goes, what's going on? He goes, they're all their rewards. He goes, Everyone knows him, but no one knows him. He goes, yeah. He preached for 20 years. 
And he did mighty things for me, but never fulfilled the fullness that I wanted him to. That man preached to one person. He's sitting next to Jesus on the throne. He goes, how? He says he gave his life for that one person. He was an alcoholic. And God showed him, you know him. He goes, how do I know him? This is all in, in a vision. He saw the bloke and he goes, I don't know him. He was in a robe. He glittered. He glittered. He goes, oh, sorry. And then all of a sudden he goes, you know him. He goes, I don't know him. He's looking at him. This guy, he's, he's sparkling. He's just standing next to Jesus, not saying a word. All of a sudden, God shows him where he saw him before. He saw him on the side of the road. Jesus loves you, son. He was a bum in the street. He just got saved. He was an alcoholic, and he would not be accepted to any church because he just looked rough. No one wanted to borrow him. So he went on the streets and started preaching. And this guy goes, oh. I remember seeing him. And he says in his book, I saw him because we're walking with my friends in our suit with our Bibles going from one church to another through the city of New York, and we're walking past him. I look at this guy. You know What, a, what an embarrassment to the body of Christ. He's going to his next church meeting. And the Lord, then he says to the Lord, but how, what did he do? Like, he, he realized he had seen him. What did he do? He goes, well, he was an alcoholic. He got saved. No church would accept him. So he just stayed on the street. And one night, it snows in New York. One of his mates got drunk and he, he passed out. He couldn't wake him up. So he laid on him to keep him warm so he wouldn't die. And he froze to death. He goes, he was martyred for me. Only person he preached to. Only person he got to the Lord. And he's sitting at the throne and all these preachers he saw were sitting down here because they thought they were doing everything for God. But this man just gave his life for one person. See, the kingdom of God works so much different than what we think. I don't stand up here thinking that I'm anybody. I don't stand up here thinking that I've achieved what I want to do. I actually stand here humbly and say, I need to die a little bit more. Because God has got so much more for me and so much more for you. So we're going on a journey. We're going on a journey as believers. Don't be scared of the living God. Have reverence for the living God, but pour your heart out to Him and let Him fill you with His presence. What you think you're missing out on now, what you think you've given up now, what you think you've... is nothing compared to the glory we have in Him. Nothing compares to that. Nothing compares to that. I'm telling you, nothing. I don't care what blessings you can get on earth compares to knowing Him. Serving Him. Everything, every persecution you come under is nothing compared to the glory you're going to get. God can restore all things, but He needs every part of your house. And I'll finish with this. If the devil knocks on your door, Jesus is living upstairs in your bedroom. He comes in, you give him the room upstairs. He knocks on your door and you open the door. He bashes you up. You shut the door, kick him out. You run upstairs, Jesus, where were you? He goes, I was upstairs. What happened? He goes, why are you bleeding? He goes, I opened the door. The devil was there. He just bashed me up. I had a fight with him. I shut the door. He goes, you didn't help me, Lord. He goes, but you gave me the room upstairs. I didn't know he was there. He goes, don't worry. Move to the next room. He goes, no worries. Moves him to a bit closer. Next day, the door knocks. Opens the door. It's him again. It's a Reinhard Bonky story. So I love that. Never, I never forgot this story. And the devil's there. Ah, he's trying to fight him. Bang, bang. Beats him up. Closes the door. Finally gets the door shut. I'm under spiritual warfare. Sound familiar? Run upstairs. Lord, he goes, yeah. What happened? What happened to you? He goes, the devil came. He didn't help me. He goes, but you only gave me the big room upstairs. Because that's it. You've got the master bedroom downstairs. It's yours. But he moves him downstairs. Next day, open the door. It's him again. Louis. <laughs> Lucifer. Has a punch up with him. This time he just manages to close the door and runs. He goes, Jesus. He goes, yeah. He goes, where were you? He goes, in the bedroom. 
He goes, the devil just knocked on the door. He goes, well, you just gave me the bedroom. He goes, here, man, take the keys to the house. <laughs> Next day, the door comes. He goes, there's the door. Jesus goes, stop. I'll answer the door. Amen. Opens the door. The devil goes, sorry, wrong number. <laughs> Don't give him the bedroom. Don't give him the master bedroom. Don't give him the lounge room. Give him the whole keys to the house. And he'll fight the battle for you. Can we stand? Leave him on. on. He'll fight him for you. No, I never even got the tongues, probably. <laughs> but I wanted to show you a picture of what is what God can do on the inside of your spirit. It's not, not, it's not good enough just to be cleaned and put in order. While it remains empty, there's no word in you. There's no worship in you. There's no manifestation of his love in you. There's nothing but bitterness and anger and hatred and sulking. Christians are the biggest sooks. Better persecution? Where's God in my life? Well, if you learn to suffer with him, you'll learn to reign with him. And the host will come and arrange things for you. He'll put the word in the right place. He'll bring the love of God and flow on the inside of you. And then he says, my father and I will come and we make our home with you. That means he's in charge. God has not left us as orphans, the Bible says. If you read that, John 14, says he hasn't left us as an orphan. He gave us the Holy Spirit. He hasn't left us as an orphan. But an orphan is someone without a father. Someone without a father, the Holy Spirit is given to us. But he says, I won't leave you as an orphan. So he won't leave us fatherless. And I said to the Lord one day, but that doesn't make sense because Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy He goes, yeah, but my Son and my Spirit are me. We're all one. And whatever he brings inside you will bring me on the inside you. In other words, my Father's love will come through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why I can say, I won't leave you as an orphan. I won't leave you fatherless. When I heard that, guys, listen to me. When I heard that, guys, God did a lot of healing in my heart as a father, knowing a father. And you know what? I understood something there. God has not left us as orphans. In other words, he hasn't let go of us. He hasn't left us on our own. He hasn't, let us, he hasn't walked out on us. He hasn't betrayed us. He's given us the great Holy Spirit. And he goes, and then we'll come and we'll live with you. You know, sometimes our prayer should be, Lord, do this for me. Or, no, Lord, let me show Heavenly Father, let me, let me experience your love. When I had an encounter with the Lord about the Father's love, changed my life forever. I understood the power of the Holy Spirit. I understood the power of the cross, in a sense. But having that Father's love was a bit different until God baptized me in love. He broke my heart, cried for six months. And then the weeping in my heart went from sorrow to joy. I was still weeping, but I was weeping at how much He loves me. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. And I don't know, some people have been beaten up in this room. And I, I don't, we can say the same thing every week and we can pray for you every week, but some of us just have to accept the fact that God wants to hang out with you more than you think. I'm not disrespecting our Lord when I say that. I'm saying, just like when you hold a baby, a newborn baby or a three-year-old baby, or when I said to about when my son comes up and gives me a hug, it's a million dollars to me. Why? And that's how much the Father feels when we come and sit with him. Stephen was getting stoned. He gave that whole speech. And then he says, you stiff-necked. 
you bunch of stiff necks. You always reject the Holy Spirit. Don't reject the Holy Spirit. Receive Him now. Let Him blow the wind upon you right now. Some of you had a nice encounter with the Lord last week. Some people are still trying to hang out. If you, like I said to you, if you've been touched last week but you never spoke in tongues, don't give up. You are baptized. It's by faith. You just have to surrender now. It's not because you're not good enough. It's not because you're not. Listen to me. Surrender. He loves you. He's building a house on the inside of you. No longer you have to look up. You look in. The Holy Ghost inside you. And He will magnify Jesus on the inside of you. For those who do pray, pray a little bit more. Step in the faith a little bit more. Don't put a time limit on God. Just love God. It's so good, man. See, I believe that the more time we can spend with Him, you'll get some answers that you're desiring. You'll get those answers. See, Christians got to understand, no is an answer. <laughs> not yet is an answer. That's not for you. It's an answer. But His blessings are yes and amen. It's yes and amen. If we understand how much He wants to do with us. He's so good. He's so good. And I pray that whatever I shared in a, to show you a picture in the natural, what God's doing inside the spirit of man. He's so good. Hallelujah. God's spirit is moving upon this earth right now. But it's not in the package we want. We have a perception of what God should be doing, what God has done, but God's doing a new thing. And it's a personal thing. He's doing it through the body. His church. You're part of that church. Ecclesia. Ecclesia means called out, set apart. You are, you are His church. You're the Ecclesia. And if you do not know Jesus tonight, or you've know about Jesus, or you've built your life around Jesus, but not in Him, today is the day of your salvation. Today, you surrender that today. You give your life to Jesus. If you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, He died on the cross for your sin, you repent of your sin, and you know He rose again, confess it today. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And you'll have what you say. He's such a good God. Amen. He's such a good God. Watch what you say. If you've got nothing good to say, say nothing at all. Don't curse yourself. Don't speak ill over yourself. Don't speak ill over your children, your wife, your husband, your friends. Speak truth. The power is in the tongue. How much more the power in the Holy Ghost tongue? And we open our mouth and we pray. And we give Him all the glory. In Jesus' name. We thank You, Father. We seal this tonight. That You abide in us. And You made Your home with us. And I thank Your Holy Spirit. You will rearrange the furniture in our hearts. That whatever the word that comes on our heart, that You will put it in the right place, Father. You would manifest Yourself in every way. Father, for those who don't know the love of God, let the love of God pour upon them right now. That every area of their life that's broken, that needs healing, 
that you would manifest their love on them in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you right now for the wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit that would be poured out upon everyone in the name of Jesus. Fill them, Lord. Fill their hearts right now from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. The manifestation of the glory of God, let it be fallen upon them in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you need to know them. You, know, you need to love them. For perfect love casts out all fear. Your need is in Him, not in religion, not in the world, not in philosophy. It's in Him. And we thank you, Father. I thank you for your children that their love will manifest in their heart. I thank you, Father, that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. And the tongue that rises against them will be condemned. I thank you, Lord, that they can die a little bit more, that you may live a little bit more. Jesus Christ was crucified, that he could be multiplied. The more I die, the more he lives in me. Renew their mind, Father, in Jesus' name. Let sorrow leave in Jesus' name. Grief has to leave. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for their healing and that be made whole. Body, soul, and spirit. I thank you, Lord, right now. For those who have fear over their children right now, we break that fear. Fear has to do with torment and the love of God is not perfected. But Father, you have perfected your love with us when dying on that cross. In the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Those who have been away from God, it's very simple. Come back to Him. Repentance is just to change your mind, to turn around. You can come back to Him. You haven't failed Him. You haven't disappointed Him. His Spirit is upon you and He's anointed you. He loves you. People that have been rejected, the spirit of rejection has no power over you because Christ has accepted you. What the world spits out, Jesus brings home. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. We thank you for a new day. We thank you, Lord, that we can see you. Manifested, Lord. Seated on high. That the kingdom come and there will be done on our spirit right now. We thank you, Lord. No time for games. Only time to know him. Hallelujah. Place it on the altar. Whatever burdens you are carrying, place it on the altar. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm only moved by what the Spirit of God says to me. What His Word says. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He loves you. He loves you. Father, I ask for the manifestation of your love right now. Thank you, Father. We love you, Jesus. Oh, sovereign Lord, we love you. Your presence is better than life. Drink from that well that never runs dry. The world that never runs dry. Some people have to make a decision today. They've been idle. 
apathetic for too long and it's time to step into your destiny. Shake off the things of the world and move into your destiny. Hallelujah. Some people are going to get a heart of thanksgiving. Thanking the God for the things that he's done for you. No more asking him why you haven't done this. You thank him for what he has done. The lepers were healed, but only one said thank you, and he was made whole. They were healed, but one was made whole. Why? A thankful heart. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Learn to crucify the flesh. It starts with a decision. Then as an action. Then faith will come and Christ will help you. A decision. Then an action. Then faith will come. Speaking to someone tonight. The Spirit of Grace is speaking to you. We worship you. Total healing, Father, in some people's bodies right now, in Jesus' name. Jesus is touching you right now. Receive that right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Hallelujah.